This is Ruslan Ponomarev and you are listening to The Full English Breakfast with Lawrence Trent and Steven Gordon. This is episode number 10 of The Full English Breakfast and I'm pleased to be joined after a very long hiatus by the exam warrior, Grandmaster Stephen Gordon. Stephen, you survived. I've survived. I've come out of the other side of um, a stressful month at university. Glad to never have to write an exam again. Fingers crossed. And International Master Lawrence Trent. Lawrence has been promoted, everybody. Yeah, well, you know, finally Sony's recognised my talents, you know. I've been working hard and finally I've been rewarded after slogging my guts out, cracking on and keeping abreast of the recent chess developments as well. So the main event in May since our last show was the Candidates Tournament. We'll get to that and also wrap up the U.S. Championship in April and the nakamura Ponomariev match, both at the Chess Club and Scholastic Center of St. Louis. Let's start with Kamsky repeating as the U.S. champion, which is the uh, first time that's happened in 20-some years. It was kind of a ballsy move for him to uh, play in this, given that just a few days after, he had to sit down against uh, Topalov in the first round of the candidates' match. So I want to start with with him and uh, a question that was put to him by Grandmaster Maurice Ashley on... Uh, how he felt that the U.S. Championship uh, would help him uh, going into his encounter with Topalov. Well, it gave me a little bit of confidence. You know, being the best uh, player in the whole United States is really nice. Especially considering, like, United States is the strongest chess country in the whole Americas. So that automatically makes me feel like I'm one of the best all over <laughs> of all the Americas. This whole hemisphere is yours. Yes, it's like... <clears throat> And uh, Topalov, he's just, what, he's from Bulgaria, a little small country. <laughs> 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 Ooh, I'm just a little kidding. trash talking from the Brooklynite, that's what I like. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, of course, but you know. Well, I'm looking forward to that match because I really lost it last time, and I felt that I didn't give it all, but uh, this time it's going to be a little bit different. Mm. A little foreshadowing from U.S. champion Gadakamski. Bit of a feisty talk there, wouldn't it? A bit of trash talk, but he, he doesn't have to say that he's only joking, you know? Keep up the trash talk. Get Topolov on edge. But he did well, didn't he? I mean, he, uh, did badly, didn't he, he? managed to um, he managed to win the U.S. championship without having to use his Grunfeld. I don't think he used it at all. And um, kept his main weapon for the Topolov match in the pocket. And then, uh, yeah, unleashed a devastating game two against Topolov. Mm. Well deserved. Mm. I mean, uh, Topolov's got to be a little disappointed. I mean, he to me, he just looks uh, he he looks rusty, and it's not the same player as as he was a couple of years back. Well, we're going to get into the candidates in more detail in a bit. But first, just wondering what your take on the whole sort of Kamsky-Nakamura as the top of U.S. chess. I mean, obviously, Nakamura is getting all the attention. He's got the higher rating. He's getting all the invites this year to the major events. 
Um, but Kamsky, of course, was actually playing in the candidates and theoretically had a chance to actually qualify for the world championship. He's now the U.S. champion uh, again, Nakamura deciding not to play, of course. Is Kamsky uh, really over the hill or is he uh, still a contender, do you think? I, I don't think he can be classed as a contender for the world championships. I think there are just too many better players out there at the moment. I mean, that being said, of course, we saw Gelfan win the, win the whole uh, process there. So he's not over the hill in terms of age. Because when is over the hill in terms of age? Because from what I can see, all the 40-year-old guys are, are dominating. Exactly. Like Gelfand, Gelfand and Kamsky were the most impressive for me of the candidates. What's yeah. what's going on with that? Yeah, and then we've got Ivanchuk, who's you know yeah. up there again. And wasn't it Kasparov that famously famously said you sort of reach a peak at thirty? I'm sure it was Kasparov or at least one of these other big boys. So you know, I think it's it's been proven not only recently with Ivanchuk and and Gelfand, um, uh, even Kamsky, who are slightly older than the current, uh, let's say, uh, uh, the, the bundle of youth in the top ten. Uh, nevertheless, uh, they are still right at the top of their game. So the question is, is there a peak age in chess? I think it it all depends on how strong your desire is more than anything. Of course, I think these guys have to be fit on some level. Naturally, they haven't got the energy of a Carlson or one of the younger lads. Uh, but that's not to say that they can't perform. I mean, look at Victor Korchnoi, Steve. Guy's 80 years old. He's still playing at 2,600. It's ridiculous. I, I mean, I don't want to play the guy. I don't want to be beaten by an 80-year-old man. I was a couple of years ago in school. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it'd be great to play him, but at the same time, you do feel like, come on, this this just isn't fair. But when it comes to World Championship, which I think was the original question, I think the Anands and the Kramniks and the Carlsons have just got that little bit extra. And I think over a long match, I know the candidates were four or five games, but if you imagine a 10 or 12 game match, I think that extra bit of class would show. Kamsky, he has, he has fought for it though, hasn't he? In the past with Karpov back in well, I don't know when it was. It must have been 94. 94. I yeah, I think so. I was going to say 96, but 94 might he, when he had the big, you know, the 90s glasses, the big specs, and he was only <laughs> about 18 and... You know, he was still such a, an innocent-looking chap. Well, Kamsky had to uh, decide to come back and defend the U.S. Championship title despite having the match come up with Topalov. As we saw, it didn't end up hurting him. But uh, he had to have been thinking about it, whether this was a good idea. And, in fact, that question was put to him uh, just after he had won uh, his uh, second U.S. Championship. Well, the thought crossed my mind, but, um, you know, this is the premier national event. You know, a lot of people make... A lot of uh, efforts to make this happen, and I feel that the players actually sort of have this. I, I can't say that's obligation, but it's like moral thing to compete here to show their best. This competition is also helping all these young players. I think you know, ability to give them a chance to play versus the best to get the experience. They don't get experience much, so they play against me like me, Shulman, and Anishuk, and um, it's. Uh, it's a step, but uh, it's something for the future. So I like that answer. Kamsky uh, feeling a little responsibility to the next generation, uh, in addition to uh, just feeling like it's uh, somehow a moral obligation to compete in your national championship. Of course, Fisher played in a whole slew of championships. What, he win like eight of them? And uh, so uh, got a feeling a little bit of that obligation to defend his title. I suppose it's uh, 
a little more significant as the returning champion. Sure, it's good that these guys, uh, you know, they're giving something back. And um, I guess there's a debate as to whether Nakamura should play this tournament. I mean, is that, is that something that was brought up during the U.S. Championship, Macaulay? Well, Nakamura was present for much of the event and uh, came and, and commented on our live webcast uh, on a couple of occasions. So naturally, uh, we had to ask him about this. And for him, it seemed like it was just simply a bit more of a, uh, of a rating calculation, uh, given that he would have to have a sort of Ivanchuk in Gibraltar-like performance to avoid losing rating. He'd have to have a complete blowout performance. Um, but Nakamura already, on the flip side is, he's already got his invitations through basically February of next year. So uh, even if he were to, to drop uh, the rating points now, uh, it's not going to affect his, his schedule, at least in the near term, and you'd have to figure if he's playing at a top 10 or, or possibly even top 5 level soon uh, that uh, he'd be able to recover, um, you know, even if he, uh, if he did uh, drop a few games uh, unexpectedly. Here's uh, what he had to say uh, straight from the horse's mouth. Why aren't you playing? I mean, you're, you're a stud, you're a star, we, we love you, we love your style, and we absolutely miss you in this tournament. You got to give us a good reason why you're not in it. I, I think I already gave, <laughs> gave. I've given quite a few reasons. Um, you know, first of all, when you're playing at, at the very top, you have to uh, be consistent. And playing in tournaments like these, like the U.S. Championship, it's a very prestigious event. And I have so many strong tournaments coming up that it, that I really need to be focusing on the top players because they're spending all their time preparing for me. And if I, if I play against them and I'm not ready. I could very easily run into trouble, drop out of the top 10, and, um, you know, it's a decision I made. Now, whether it's the right one or the wrong one, time will tell. But for now, I have to live with it. So you're saying your feeling is that if you play too much instead of study more, it might affect your results against the top players? Certainly. I mean, I'm playing in major events pretty much every month for the until next uh, February. Um, so... Maybe I could try and be like Ivanchuk, but even someone like that who plays in every last tournament, he, he has wild swings. And for me, I certainly don't enjoy having major swings. Well, it's a good answer, isn't it? I mean, um, it must be such a difficult decision for him with some of these tournaments because, okay, he may feel so he's obliged to play in the U.S. Championship. But at the same time, he's competing with the big boys of the chess world and... He's sporting the 27, 75 rating. You've got to protect that when you get that high up, you know? Mm. I don't think any of the other top 10 will consider playing in a tournament where, you know, they've got to, they've maybe got to make 80% score to break even on rating. So mm. I'd say overall it's a pretty sensible decision. I mean, he has got a point with it. It is a shame, though. We should know this, Steve, because we've seen it so much in our own country that the top player in the whole country often doesn't participate simply because uh, it's a risk for them. You know, Mickey, although he's played last year and I know he's playing again in the British this year, how many years was it that he didn't play for? Something along, what, 10? Over 10 years? It may have been 10. I think he, um, he won it in 97. That's a problem in England with with sponsorship mainly, to get the top guys out and make it worth the while, we we need to do a better job with mm. getting, the, getting the funds together. And, mm. well, to be honest, they've done a fantastic job this year. 
and it's going to be a really strong event. I'd say it's a slightly different situation for Nakamura. You can see where he's coming from because rating's so important. I think what it was he, 27.75, so he wants to protect that. He only has to have one or two bad results in this US Championship, and suddenly he he does go crashing out of the top ten. And it's so important to be in that now, especially for him, where he's looking to really establish himself for the next few years. Well, in any case, Nakamura passing on the U.S. Championship, uh, but he did play an exhibition match against uh, Grandmaster Ruslan Ponomaryov just a few weeks later at the same uh, Chess Club and Scholastic Center in St. Louis. I also produced some live commentary there, and uh, it was quite an interesting event, despite uh, not having anything uh, at stake, um, but both players uh, getting some match experience. Uh, Nakamura uh, winning in the uh, classical section of the match, three and a half, two and a half, and then also taking the four-game rapid match, uh, which uh, came as no surprise given his uh, predilection for rapid play. Ponomaryov was uh, was a great guest, I must say. He uh, he really charmed the uh, the American audience. Was pleased with his uh, opening performance generally, and uh, really just felt that he uh, got outplayed in some of the the complications. Um, psychology was uh, was a big theme in his kind of postmortem uh, of the match. And so here's a uh, short clip from him uh, after the final game in St. Louis. Normally, I just thought that in each position it's better to find maybe the best move. But maybe somehow his words have some sense, like you should not only find the best move because also lack of time, it's very difficult, but maybe to make life more complicated for your right. opponent somehow. I don't know, I, I'm not so big expert how to do it, I'm just trying to learn a little bit. And somehow even at this game, Hikaru played much faster than me. Calculate variations much faster. Oh, he's a lovely guy, isn't he? I'm not surprised. He's um, he's a popular one with the chess audience. Um, Ponomaryov highlighted that he may have thought Nakamura has the strategy to play the trickiest move rather than just going looking for the best move. Well, one of the tournaments that I went to last summer in Amsterdam, the um, the Rising Stars tournament, he had a playoff with Giri. For the Amazon, so very important, couple of blitz games. And in the first blitz game, Nakamura purposely, in my opinion, he played a theoretical blunder in an opening where if you know the response, Black's doing terribly. And if you don't know it, Black's doing tremendously. And he played into it straight away. No, no thought whatsoever. I suspect it was a calculated move. I'm, I'm, I'm only speculating. But, um, he goes into it. Giri thinks for 30 seconds. He knows something's wrong. The audience are looking at each other. I made eye contact with Wesley So, And Wesley Show's shaking his head. And Giri doesn't play the best response. Nakamura just gets a great position and wins the game. You know, so he, it, it could be that this guy has his strategy set out for these rapid games. It's something that I've never been able to master. I'm the same as Ponomaryov, except um, a lot weaker at finding the best move, but that's the way I call the time. But, you know, Nakamura is obviously a tricky customer, even for these top guys. Well, obviously this uh, match was playing second fiddle to the candidates. Let's face it, though, some of the games that were going on in their match were a lot more interesting than what was going on in the candidates. Nakamura plays fighting chess, and he's, he's great for the, for the top level. 
because he's always going to come out and he's always going to try and beat you. The candidates' matches in Kazan uh, sort of treated with a collective yawn by uh, a lot of the, the chess fans. We had a extremely high drawing percentage, um, although in a way that uh, could be a distraction from the, the, the caliber of play. I mean, another reason why, for having draws is if both players are very well prepared and simply uh, trying to guarantee the, the maximum result in a, in a match situation. I don't think it's the player's fault at all. I mean, what, what can you do? If you're not coming in with great ideas for white novelties here and there, the obvious one was um, the Grishchuk Kramnik match, where Kramnik's mm. so well prepared in his Queen's Gambit decline, he's got everything worked out. He's got everything worked out to equality. I mean, I don't know what you can do. I believe that you should equalise as black. The game should just be equal. Grishchuk was finding it difficult to get a position with life. So. Eventually, he's, he's resigned himself to just saying, okay, well, let's, let's equalise. I'll take an early draw, give myself time to get some energy for the next day where he's going to put pressure on me again because he's got better preparation. Do you speed the games up to try and increase the room for error? Are the matches too short? Is there too much riding on a game to take some risks? Um, I was talking to um, a chess enthusiast the other day who said that four game matches there's just there's no room to take any risk it's almost in the player's interest to just go down to these rapids and then it's there's a bit more potluck whereas if you had an eight or ten game match you could start off quite aggressively and just see how it goes from there well the problem first is the problem with an eight ten game match is you've got to think of how long that tournament would yeah. be I mean, you know you're only having ten matches for the actual world championship so that can't happen i generally think sophia rules has uh, got its plus points and I know there was a big interview with uh, Grishchuk and Kramnik uh, and even Rajabov um, looking at the implementation of, of Sophia Rawls and I know a lot of them were against it because you know there's so much riding on it that the difference between this and a, you know a Bilbao or, or a London chess classic which are great tournaments uh, and they've got a big commercial element and therefore you know it is really um, a responsibility for the for the players to try and win to you know maximize interest um and keep that commercial element well here's a question for you then here's a question should should the players have any say in whether the sophia rule should be implemented or not you know should this decision be being made by the sponsors the organizers the people who are trying to get chess to the wider audience. Why should the players, the players have any say in it? Because, because unfortunately, as we've seen with FIDE and even recently in the European Championships, as soon as non-chess playing people start deciding rules, i.e. the performance ratings over the European Chess Championships that were probably decided over a couple... They, they don't understand how it really affects the, the sport. So I, I think the players do have... A, a a genuine right to to voice their opinions on what they feel is best practices. There's got to be a bit of uh, compromise between both sides. But it is a shame for the the average chess playing fan. Of course, it is. We want to see blood on the board, don't we, Stephen? We want to see fireworks. Um, yeah. But it it's not just the world championship, the pride of of, of playing for the world championship up for grabs here it's also a huge amount of money potentially we're looking at a championship final where you're guaranteed probably a million euros more or less so all of these players will do anything to be able to get that all right well for a take from someone who was on the ground in kazan 
uh, have a little featured interview with Sergei Karyakin, who uh, was serving as the second of Vladimir Kramnik. Let's play that, and then we'll get your take on it. I actually was not going to be his second, but when we played a tournament in Monaco, he had a very difficult tournament, and he decided to invite me during the tournament. It was his decision. It was just luck that I didn't have any plans for for this time. But okay, after he invited me, I thought, why not? Because uh, Kramnik is a very famous as a strong match player, and it was interesting for me to look uh, how he makes his preparation, and uh, it was nice experience for me, I think. And of course, you actually have a decent amount of experience as a second, even going back to when you were uh, quite young. You were probably one of the youngest uh, mm-hmm. official seconds ever when you were second of Ponomaryov, right? Yes, I was second of Ponomaryov when I just turned 12. <laughs> but of course, it was completely another thing because uh, I didn't work as hard uh, with Ponomaryov like I worked here in Kazan because some nights I didn't sleep at all but <laughs> uh, we tried our best with Zachary Finka who is also my good friend the, the basic thing which you are trying to do is to close chess when you are second <laughs> to close all, all the lines and of course it's impossible to close chess but the seconds are trying to do it actually I think Kramik should be happy with the uh, outcome of the opening he didn't have any problems with black and he had two very strong positions with white against Grichuk, and if he would have won just one of them, he would win the match, but he didn't. Being there and having the, the tension of the competition, but not actually being able to do anything about it yourself. Yes, of course. It's very unusual, and and sometimes I simply wanted to go and to play by myself, and I understand uh, uh, that my father, when I was young, he smoked about 20 cigarettes during my game. <laughs> so now, now I understood him. <laughs> and, <laughs> and actually, I almost have never drink coffee in my life. But in Kazan, I drink about five, six minimum cups of coffee per day. <laughs> well, and for your health, I hope you don't smoke then. <laughs> <laughs> actually, we discussed <laughs> with Zahar that <laughs> if, if, if Vladimir would win against Gishuk, we thought maybe we, should, <laughs> we may try. <laughs> <laughs> as a celebration, you mean? Not as no, a stress relief? <laughs> no, as a stress relief. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose one uh, reason to accept such a job, um, in addition to working with someone as experienced as, as Kramnik, is that you can hope that it will help you if when you have to face match play in the future. Yes, that, that, that was actually my, my reason, because I believe I will play such matches by myself, and I think I gained a lot of experience. For the future, it will be useful for me, I'm sure, but next time I hope I will play by myself. I remember actually when that Ponomaryov match happened and he was the second there. I couldn't believe it because, you know, I thought he'd, he'd actually have to be a third because his mum would be the second to take him on the plane with him because he couldn't actually, you know, know how to get to the airport <laughs> on his own. It must be good to get an insight into how Kramnik goes about his business. And so I'm sure that's invaluable experience for 
kayaking. Okay, we have to leave it there, guys. Thanks very much. Just uh, one quick update uh, from our previous show and previous couple of shows, actually. We've been talking about this a lot, the uh, French Chess Federation uh, cheating scandal, uh, principally involving uh, Sebastian Feller. They uh, had their appeal before the uh, Federation Appeals Committee back in May, May 19th. They lost, and in fact, the, uh, the penalties, the ban on their participation in any uh, French chess events was uh, increased. So their uh, case has now been referred just recently to the FIDE Ethics Committee, uh, which will have to take it up quite soon, uh, given that Feller, at least, is listed as a qualifier for the World Cup. So they will need to get to this uh, ideally before they, they draw lots for that event. Well, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Otherwise, you know... You're going to see Feller. Imagine, he could come in handcuffs, couldn't he, I suppose? You know, he just could rock up to the board and move the pieces <laughs> with, his, with his mouth. I should also mention, if you want to check out any of the video from the U.S. Championship or the Nakamura Panamari of match in St. Louis... Uh, those are both available in full from uh, stlouischessclub.org and uschesschamps.com. We're also going to be giving away a signed program from the uh, U.S. Championship uh, to one of our listeners. Look for details on that giveaway via our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the FEB. Good stuff. Facebook.com forward slash the FEB. And you better use those fingers. Click that like button. You know you want to. Very quickly, Steve, who will be world chess champion in 2012? Anand. Anand. You can find out the rest of our poll on www.thefeb.com. We have a poll? You need to set one up now, yeah. <laughs>